Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads, and other random boring ideas. This week, let's continue where we left off in reading the Civil Rights Act of 1964, specifically Section 703 of Title VII, Equal Employment Opportunity, starting with subsection G. It's going to be a wild ride, so sit back, close your eyes, and open your ears, because you'll get tired and woke of this podcast. Guaranteed. The Civil Rights Act of 1964. Title Seven. Equal Employment Opportunity. Section 703. Discrimination because of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Subsection G. Notwithstanding any other provision of this title, it shall not be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to fail or refuse to hire and employ any individual for any position. For an employer to discharge any individual from any position or for an employment agency to fail or refuse to refer any individual for employment in any position, or for a labor organization to fail or refuse to refer any individual for employment in any position, if 1. The occupancy of such position, or access to the premises in, or upon which any part of the duties of such position is performed or is to be performed, is subject to any requirement imposed in the interest of the national security of the United States under any security program in effect pursuant to 
or administered under any statute of the United States or any executive order of the president and two such individual has not fulfilled or has ceased to fulfill that requirement subsection h notwithstanding any other provision of this title it shall not be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to apply different standards of compensation or different terms, conditions, or privileges of employment pursuant to a bona fide seniority or merit system or a system which measures earnings by quantity or quality of production or to employees who work in different locations provided that such differences are not the result of an intention to discriminate because of race color religion sex or national origin nor shall it be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to give and to act upon the results of any professionally developed ability test provided that such test its administration or action upon the results is not designed intended or used to discriminate because of race color religion sex or national origin it shall not be an unlawful employment practice under this title for any employer to differentiate upon the basis of sex in determining the amount of the wages or compensation paid or to be paid to employees of such employer if such differentiation is authorized by the provisions of section 6d of the fair labor standards act of 1938 as amended 29 usc 206d if such differentiation is authorized by okay so they can differentiate based on the basis of sex only under the previous fair labor standards act that's confusing i guess that's why there's still a gender pay gap i don't know weird again i'm not a lawyer so i don't know the exact details Subsection I. Nothing contained in this title shall apply to any business or enterprise on or near 
an Indian reservation with respect to any publicly announced employment practice of such business or enterprise under which a preferential treatment is given to any individual because he is an Indian living on or near a reservation. Subsection J. Preferential treatment. Nothing contained in this title shall be interpreted to require any employer, employment agency, labor organization, or joint labor management committee subject to this title to grant preferential treatment to any individual or to any group because of the race, color, religion, sex, or national origin of such individual or group on account of an imbalance which may exist with respect to the total number or percentage of persons of any race, color, religion, sex, or national origin employed by any employer referred or classified for employment by any employment agency or labor organization admitted to membership or classified by any labor organization or admitted to or employed in any apprenticeship or other training program in comparison with the total number of percentage of persons of such race, color, religion, sex, or national origin in any community, state, section, or other area, or in the available workforce in any community, state, section, or other area. Section 704 other unlawful employment practices. Subsection A. It shall be an unlawful employment practice for an employer to discriminate against any of his employees or applicants for employment. For an employment agency to discriminate against any individual, or for a labor organization to discriminate against any member thereof or applicant for membership, because he has opposed any practice made an unlawful employment practice by this title, or because he has made a charge testified, assisted, or participated in any manner in an investigation 
proceeding or hearing under this title. Subsection B. It shall be an unlawful employment practice for an employer, labor organization, or employment agency to print or publish or cause to be printed or published any notice or advertisement relating to employment by such an employer or membership in or any classification or referral for employment by such a labor organization or relating to any classification or referral for employment by such an employment agency indicating any preference, limitation, specification, or discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, except that such a notice or advertisement may indicate a preference, limitation, specification, or discrimination based on religion, sex, or national origin when religion, sex, or national origin is a bona fide occupational qualification for employment. Section 705 Equal Employment Opportunity Commission Subsection A There is hereby created a commission to be known as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission which shall be composed of five members, not more than three of whom shall be members of the same political party, who shall be appointed by the president, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate. One of the original members shall be appointed for a term of one year, one for a term of two years, one for a term of three years, one for a term of four years, and one for a term of five years. Probably could have said that a lot easier. Beginning from the date of enactment of this title, but their successors shall be appointed for terms of five years each, except that any individual chosen to fill a vacancy shall be appointed only for the unexpired term of the member whom he shall succeed. The president shall designate one member to serve as chairman of the commission, and one member to serve as vice chairman. 
the chairman shall be responsible on behalf of the commission for the administrative operations of the commission and shall appoint in accordance with the civil service laws such officers agents attorneys and employees as it deems necessary to assist it in the performance of its functions and to fix their compensation in accordance with the classification act of 1949 as amended the vice chairman shall act as chairman in the absence or disability of the chairman or in the event of a vacancy in that office subsection b a vacancy in the commission shall not impair the right of the remaining members to exercise all the powers of the commission and three members thereof shall constitute a quorum subsection c the commission shall have an official seal which shall be judicially noticed subsection d the commission shall at the close of each fiscal year report to congress and to the president concerning the action it has taken the names salaries and duties of all individuals in its employ and the monies it has dispersed and shall make such further reports on the cause of and means of eliminating of eliminating discrimination and such recommendations for further legislation as may appear desirable subsection e the federal executive pay act of 1956 as amended is further amended one by adding to section 105 thereof the following clause clause 32 chairman equal employment opportunity commission and two by adding to clause 45 of section 106 subsection a thereof the following quote-unquote equal employment opportunity commission subsection f i think that was all legalese i'm not too sure what that even meant subsection f the principal office of the commission shall be in or near the district of columbia but it may meet or exercise any or all of its powers at any other place the commission may establish such regional or state offices as it deems necessary to accomplish the purpose of this title the commission shall have power one to cooperate with and with their consent utilize regional state 
local, and other agencies, both public and private, and individuals. Two, the commission shall have power to pay to witnesses whose depositions are taken or who are summoned before the commission or any of its agents the same witness and mileage fees as are paid to witnesses in the courts of the United States. Three, the commission shall have power to furnish to persons subject to this title such technical assistance as they may request to further their compliance with this title or an order issued thereunder. Four, the commission shall have power upon the request of one, any employer whose employees or some of them or two, any labor organization whose members, or some of them, refuse or threaten to refuse to cooperate in effectuating the provisions of this title. To assist in such effectuation by conciliation or such other remedial action as is provided by this title. Five, the commission shall have power to make such technical studies as are appropriate to effectuate the purposes and policies of this title and to make the results of such studies available to the public. Six, the commission shall have power to refer matters to the Attorney General with recommendations for intervention in a civil action brought by an aggrieved party under Section 706, or for the institution of a civil action by the Attorney General under Section 707 and to advise, consult, and assist the Attorney General on such matters. Subsection H. Attorneys appointed under this section may, at the direction of the Commission, appear for and represent the Commission in any case in court. Subsection I. The Commission shall, in any part of its educational or promotional activities, cooperate with other departments and agencies in the performance of such educational and promotional activities. Subsection J. All officers, agents, attorneys, and employees of the Commission shall be subject to the provisions of Section 9 of the Act of August the 2nd, 1939, as amended in brackets, the Hatch Act. 
notwithstanding any exemption contained in such section. Section 706. Prevention of Unlawful Employment Practices. Whenever it is charged in writing under oath by a person claiming to be aggrieved, or a written charge has been filed by a member of the commission where he has reasonable cause to believe a violation of this title has occurred, in brackets, and such charge sets forth the facts upon which it is based, in brackets, that an employer, employment agency, or labor organization has engaged in an unlawful employment practice. The commission shall furnish such employer, employment agency, or labor organization, in brackets, here and after referred to as the respondent, with a copy of such charge, and shall make an investigation of such charge provided that such charge shall not be made public by the commission. If the commission shall determine after such investigation that there is reasonable cause to believe that the charge is true, the commission shall endeavor to eliminate any such alleged unlawful employment practice by informal methods of conference, conciliation, and persuasion. Nothing said or done during and as a part of such endeavors may be made public by the commission without the written consent of the parties or used as evidence in a subsequent proceeding. Any officer or employee of the commission who shall make public in any manner whatever any information in violation of this subsection shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor and upon conviction thereof shall be fined not more than $1,000 or imprisoned not more than one year. Subsection B. Legal Proceedings. In the case of an alleged unlawful employment practice occurring in a state or political subdivision of a state, which has a state or local law prohibiting the unlawful employment practice alleged and establishing or authorizing a state, or local authority to grant or seek relief from such practice or to institute criminal proceedings with respect thereto upon receiving notice thereof no charge may be filed under subsection a by the person aggrieved before the expiration of 60 days after proceedings have been commenced under the state or local law, unless such proceedings 
have been earlier terminated, provided that such 60-day period shall be extended to 120 days during the first year after the effective date of such state or local law. If any requirement for the commencement of such proceedings is imposed by a state or local authority other than a requirement of the filing of a written and signed statement of the facts upon which the proceeding is based, the proceeding shall be deemed to have been commenced for the purposes of this section, of this subsection, at the time such statement is sent by registered mail to the appropriate state or local authority. Subsection C. Time Requirements In the case of any charge filed by a member of the Commission alleging an unlawful employment practice occurring in a state or political subdivision of a state, which has a state or local law prohibiting the practice alleged and establishing or authorizing a state or local authority to grant or seek relief from such practice, or to institute criminal proceedings with respect thereto upon receiving notice thereof, the Commission shall, before taking any action with respect to such charge, notify the appropriate state or local officials, and upon request, afford them a reasonable time, but not less than 60 days, in brackets, provided that such 60-day period shall be extended to 120 days during the first year after the effective day of such state or local law, in brackets, unless a shorter period is requested to act under such state or local law to remedy the practice alleged. Subsection D. A charge under subsection A shall be filed within 90 days after the alleged unlawful employment practice occurred, except that in the case of an unlawful employment practice with respect to which the person aggrieved has followed the procedure set out in subsection B. Such charge shall be filed by the person aggrieved within 210 days after the alleged unlawful employment practice occurred, or within 30 days after receiving notice that the state or local agency has terminated the proceedings under the state or local law whichever is earlier, and a copy of such charge shall be filed by the Commission with the state or local agency. Subsection E. If within 30 days after a charge is filed with the Commission, or within 30 days after expiration of any period of reference under subsection C, in brackets, except that in either case such period may be extended to not more than 30 days, 60 days 
upon a determination by the Commission that further efforts to secure voluntary compliance are warranted. End brackets. The Commission has been unable to obtain voluntary compliance with this title. The Commission shall so notify the person aggrieved, and a civil action may, within 30 days thereafter, be brought against the respondent named in the charge. 1. By the person claiming to be aggrieved. Or 2. If such charge was filed by a member of the Commission, by any person whom the charge alleges was aggrieved by the alleged unlawful employment practice. Upon completion by the complainant, and in such circumstances as the court may deem just, the court may appoint an attorney for such complainant, and may authorize the commencement of the action without the payment of fees, costs, or security. Upon timely application, the court may, in its discretion, permit the Attorney General to intervene in such civil action if he certifies that the case is of general public importance. Upon request, the court may, in its discretion, stay further proceedings for not more than 60 days pending the termination of state or local proceedings, described in subsection B, or the efforts of the Commission to obtain voluntary compliance. Subsection F. Each United States District Court and each United States Court of a place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States shall have jurisdiction of any actions brought under this title. Such action may be brought in any judicial district in the state in which the unlawful employment practice is alleged to have been committed. In the judicial district in which the employment records relevant to such practice are maintained and administered, or in the judicial judicial district in which the plaintiff would have worked but for the alleged unlawful employment practice. But if the respondent is not found within any such district, such an action may be brought within the judicial district in which the respondent has his principal office. For purposes of sections 1404 and 1406 of Title 28 of the United States Code, the judicial district in which the respondent has his principal office shall in all cases be considered a district in which the action might have been brought. Subsection G. If the court finds that the respondent has intentionally engaged in or is intentionally engaging in an unlawful employment practice charged in the complaint, the court may enjoin the respondent from engaging in such unlawful employment practice and order such affirmative action 
as may be appropriate, which may include reinstatement or hiring of employees with or without back pay, in brackets, payable by the employer, employment agency, or labor organization. As the case may be, responsible for the unlawful employment practice, end brackets. Interim earnings or amounts earnable with reasonable diligence by the person or persons discriminated against shall operate to reduce the back pay otherwise allowable. No order of the court shall require the admission or reinstatement of an individual as a member of a union or the hiring, reinstatement, or promotion of an individual as an employee, or the payment to him of any back pay, if such individual was refused admission, suspended, or expelled, or was refused employment or advancement, or was suspended or discharged, for any reason other than discrimination, on account of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin, or in violation of Section 704, Subsection A. Subsection H. The provisions of the Act, entitled, in quotes, an act to amend the judicial code and to define and limit the jurisdiction of courts sitting in equity and for other purposes, end quotes. Approved March 23, 1932. Shall not apply with respect to civil actions brought under this section. Subsection I. In any case in which an employer employment agency, or labor organization fails to comply with an order of a court issued in a civil action brought under subsection E, the commission may commence proceedings to compel compliance with such order. Subsection J. Any civil action brought under subsection E and any proceedings brought under subsection I shall be subject to appeal as provided in sections 1291 and 1292, Title 28, United States Code. Subsection K. In any action or proceeding under this title, the court, in its discretion, may allow the prevailing party, other than the Commission or the United States, a reasonable attorney's fee as part of the costs and the Commission and the United States shall be liable for costs, the same as a private person. Section 707. Suits by Attorney General. Subsection A. Whenever the Attorney General has reasonable cause to believe that any person or group of persons is engaged in a pattern or practice of resistance to the full enjoyment of any of the rights secured by this title, and that the pattern or practice is of such a nature and is intended to deny the full exercise of the rights herein described, the Attorney General may bring a civil action in the appropriate district court of the United States, 
by filing with it a complaint, one, signed by him, in brackets, or in his absence, the acting attorney general, two, setting forth facts pertaining to such pattern or practice, and three, requesting such relief, including an application for a permanent or temporary injunction, restraining order, or other order against the person or persons responsible for such pattern or practice as he deems necessary to ensure the full enjoyment of the rights herein described. Subsection B. The District Courts of the United States shall have and shall exercise jurisdiction of proceedings instituted pursuant to this section and in any such proceeding the Attorney General may file with the clerk of such court a request that a court of three judges be convened to hear and determine the case. Such request by the Attorney General shall be accompanied by a certificate that, in his opinion, the case is of general public importance. A copy of the certificate and request for a three-judge court shall be immediately furnished by such clerk to the chief judge of the circuit, or in his absence, the presiding circuit judge of the circuit, in which the case is pending. Upon receipt of such request, it shall be the duty of the chief judge of the circuit, or the presiding circuit judge, as the case may be, to designate immediately three judges in such circuit, of whom at least one shall be a circuit judge, and another of whom shall be a district judge of the court in which the proceeding was instituted, to hear and determine such case, and it shall be the duty of the judges so designated to assign the case for hearing at the earliest practicable date to participate in the hearing and determination thereof, and to cause the case to be in every way expedited. An appeal from the final judgment of such court will lie to the Supreme Court. In the event the Attorney General fails to file such a request in any pr such proceeding, it shall be the duty of the Chief Judge of the District, in brackets, or in his absence, the Acting Chief Judge, in which the case is pending immediately to designate a judge in such district to hear and determine the case. In the event that no judge in the district is available to hear and determine the case, the chief judge of the district, or the acting chief judge, as the case may be, shall certify this fact to the chief judge of the circuit, or in his absence, the acting chief judge, who shall then designate a district or circuit judge of the circuit to hear and determine the case. Oh my god, so much procedure. It shall be the duty of the judge designated pursuant to this section to assign the case for hearing at the earliest practicable date and to cause the case to be in every way expedited. Section 708. Effect of State Laws. Nothing in this title shall be deemed to exempt or relieve any person 
from any liability, duty, penalty, or punishment provided by any present or future law of any state or political subdivision of a state, other than any such law which purports to require or permit the doing of any act which would be an unlawful employment practice under this title. Section 709. Investigations, Inspections, Records, State Agencies. Subsection A. In connection with any investigation of a charge filed under Section 706, the Commission or its designated representative shall at all reasonable times have access to for the purposes of examination and the right to copy any evidence of any person being investigated or proceeded against that relates to unlawful employment practices covered by this title and is relevant to the charge under investigation. Subsection B. Agreements, state and local agencies. The Commission may cooperate with state and local agencies charged with the administration of state fair employment practice laws and with the consent of such agencies may for the purpose of carrying out its functions and duties under this title and within the limitation of funds appropriated specifically for such purpose utilize the services of such agencies and their employees and notwithstanding any other provision of law, may reimburse such agencies and their employees for services rendered to assist the Commission in carrying out this title. In furtherance of such cooperative efforts, the Commission may enter into written agreements with such state or local agencies, and such agreements may include provisions under which the Commission shall refrain from processing a charge in any cases or class of cases specified in such agreements and under which no person may bring a civil action under section 706 in any cases or class of cases so specified or under which the commission shall relieve any person or class of persons in such state or locality from requirements imposed under this section the Commission shall rescind any such agreement whenever it determines that the agreement no longer serves the interest of effective enforcement of this title. Subsection C. Records. Except as provided in subsection D. Oh, this is going to be a dense one. Every employer, employment agency, and labor organization subject to this title shall 1. Make and keep such records relevant to the determinations of whether unlawful employment practices have been or are being committed. 2. Preserve such records for such periods. And 3. Make such reports therefrom, as the Commission shall prescribe by regulation or order, after he public hearing as reasonable necessary or appropriate for the enforcement of this title or the regulations or orders thereunder. The Commission shall, by regulation, require each employer, labor organization, 
and Joint Labor Management Committee, subject to this title, which controls an apprenticeship or other training program to maintain such records as are reasonably necessary to carry out the purpose of this title. Including, but not limited to, a list of applicants who wish to participate in such programs, including the chronological order in which such applications were received, and shall furnish to the Commission, upon request, a detailed description of the manner in which persons are selected to participate in the apprenticeship or other training program. Any employer, employment agency, labor organization, or joint labor management committee which believes that the application to it of any regulation or order issued under this section would result in undue hardship may 1. apply to the commission for an exemption from the application of such regulation or order or 2. bring a civil action in the united states district court for the district where such records are kept. If the commission or the court, as the case may be, finds that the application of the regulation or order to the employer, employment agency, or labor organization in question would impose an undue hardship, the commission or the court, as the case may be, may grant appropriate relief. Subsection D. Exceptions. The provisions of subsection C shall not apply to any employer, employment agency, labor organization, or joint labor management committee with respect to matters occurring in any state or political subdivision thereof, which has a fair employment practice law during any period in which such employer, employment agency, labor organization, or joint labor management committee is subject to such law, except that the Commission may require such notations on records which such employer, employment agency, labor organization, or joint labor management committee, God, there must be an easier way of saying all that, keeps or is required to keep as are necessary because of differences in coverage or methods of enforcement between the state or local law and the provisions of this title, where an employer is required by Executive Order 10925, issued March 6, 1961, or by any other executive order prescribing fair employment practices for government contractors and subcontractors, or by rules or regulations issued thereunder, to file reports relating to his employment practices with any federal agency or committee, and is substantially in compliance with such requirements, the Commission shall not require him to file additional reports pursuant to subsection C of this section. Subsection E. It shall be unlawful for any officer or employee of the Commission to make public in any manner whatever any information obtained by the Commission pursuant to its authority under this section prior to the institution of any proceeding under this title involving such information, any officer or employee of the Commission who shall make public in any manner whatever any information in violation of this subsection shall be guilty of a misdemeanor, and upon conviction thereof, 
shall be fined not more than $1,000 or imprisoned not more than one year. Section 710. Investigatory Powers. Subsection A. For the purposes of any investigation of a charge filed under the authority contained in Section 706, the Commission shall have authority to examine witnesses under oath and to require the production of documentary evidence, relevant or material, to the charge under investigation. Subsection B. If the respondent named in a charge filed under Section 706 fails or refuses to comply with a demand of the Commission for permission to examine or to copy evidence in conformity, with the provisions of Section 709. A. Or if any person required to comply with the provisions of Section 709. C. Or D. Fails or refuses to do so. Or if any person fails or refuses to comply with a demand by the Commission to give testimony under oath. The United States District Court for the district in which such person is found resides or transacts business, shall, upon application of the commission, have jurisdiction to issue to such person an order requiring him to comply with the provisions of Section 709C or D, or to comply with the demand of the commission, but the attendance of a witness may not be required outside the state where he is found, resides, or transacts business and the production of evidence may not be required outside the state where such evidence is kept. Subsection C. Petitions. Within 20 days after the service upon any person charged under Section 706 of a demand by the Commission for the production of documentary evidence or for permission to examine or to copy evidence in conformity with the provisions of Section 709A, such person may file in the District Court of the United States for the judicial district in which he resides, is found, or transacts business, and serve upon the Commission a petition for an order of such court modifying or setting aside such demand. The time allowed for compliance with the demand in whole or in part as deemed proper and ordered by the court shall not run during the pendency of such petition in the court. Such petition shall specify each ground upon which the petitioner relies in seeking such relief and may be based upon any failure of such demand to comply with the provisions of his title or with the limitations generally applicable to compulsory process or upon any constitutional or other legal right or privilege of such person. No objection which is not raised by such a petition may be urged in the defense to a proceeding initiated by the Commission under subsection B for enforcement of such a demand unless such proceeding is commenced by the Commission prior to the expiration of the 20-day period, 
or unless the court determines that the defendant could not reasonably have been aware of the availability of such ground of objection. Subsection D. In any proceeding brought by the Commission under subsection B, except as provided in subsection C of this section, the defendant may petition the court for an order modifying or setting aside the demand of the Commission. Section 711. Notices to be posted. Subsection A. Every employer, employment agency, and labor organization, as the case may be, shall post and keep posted in conspicuous places upon its premises where notices to employees, applicants for employment, and members are customarily posted a notice to be prepared or approved by the Commission, setting forth excerpts from or summaries of the pertinent provisions of this title and information pertinent to the filing of a complaint. Subsection B. A willful violation of this section shall be punishable by a fine of not more than $100 for each separate offense. Section 712. Veterans' Preference. Nothing contained in this title shall be construed to repeal or modify any federal, state, territorial, or local law creating special rights or preference for veterans. Section 713. Rules and Regulations. Subsection A. The Commission shall have authority from time to time to issue, amend, or rescind suitable procedural regulations to carry out the provisions of this title. Regulations issued under this section shall be in conformity with the standards and limitations of the Administrative Procedure Act. Subsection B. In any action or proceeding based on any alleged unlawful employment practice, no person shall be subject to any liability or punishment for or on account of one, the commission by such person of an unlawful employment practice, if he pleads and proves that the act or omission complained of was in good faith, the conformity with and in reliance on any written interpretation or opinion of the commission, or two, the failure of such person to publish and file any information required by any provision of this title, if he pleads and proves that he failed to publish and file such information in good faith, in conformity with the instructions of the commission issued under this title regarding the filing of such information. Such a defense, if established, shall be a bar to the action or proceeding, notwithstanding that a. after such act or omission, such interpretation or opinion is modified or rescinded or is determined by judicial authority to be invalid or of no legal effect, or b. after publishing or filing the description and annual reports, such publication or filing is determined by judicial authority not to be in conformity with the requirements of this title. Section 714. Forcibly resisting the commission or its representatives. The provisions of Section 111, Title 18, United States Code, shall apply to officers, agents, and employees of the commission in the performance of their official duties. Section 715. 
Special Study by Secretary of Labor. The Secretary of Labor shall make a full and complete study of the factors which might tend to result in discrimination in employment because of age and of the consequences of such discrimination on the economy and individuals affected. The Secretary of Labor shall make a report to the Congress not later than June 30, 1965, containing the results of such study and shall include in such report such recommendations for legislation to prevent arbitrary discrimination in employment because of age, as he determines advisable. Section 716. Effective Date. Subsection A. This title shall become effective one year after the date of its enactment. B. Notwithstanding subsection A, sections of this title other than section 703, 704, 706, and 707, shall become effective immediately. Subsection C. Presidential Conferences. The President shall, as soon as feasible after the enactment of this title, convene one or more conferences for the purpose of enabling the leaders of groups whose members will be affected by this title to become familiar with the rights afforded and obligations imposed by its provisions and for the purpose of making plans which will result in the fair and effective administration of this title. When all of its provisions become effective, the President shall invite the participation in such conference or conferences of 1. The members of the President's Committee on Equal Employment Opportunity. 2. The members of the Commission on Civil Rights. 3. Representatives of state and local agencies engaged in furthering equal employment opportunity. And four, representatives of private agencies engaged in furthering equal employment opportunity. And five, representatives of employers, labor organizations, and employment agencies who will be subject to this title. And that's the end of Title Seven. It took forever. But I mean, that's a good thing that there's a lot of... It's thick. It's long. Um, yeah, I'm ready to stop now. <laughs> um, that's the end of this episode of Sleep With a Josh podcast. I am tired after reading that, so... We'll continue with the rest of the Civil Rights Act in subsequent episodes. Again, if you guys like the podcast, please follow uh, the podcast on all platforms. And you can follow me on at Joshian Comedy on social media. All right. Good night.